Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin comes, pop, pop, popping. When the red, red robin comes, pop, pop, popping. When the red, red robin comes, pop, pop, popping along. Hello and welcome to this week. Red Robin podcast, which is of course powered by 360 Chartered Accountants and Budget Size Auto Center. I'm Chris Johnson, and this week I am delighted to be joined by published author and red and white dynamite creator Dan Crowler and Rover superfan Joe Withers as we give our views and honest opinions on Rover's six round challenge cut victory over the Lee Centurions. The news that Craven Park is now under the ownership of the club, and the rumors linking Matty Parcell to the NRL and Tony Smith to the Leeds Rhinos. Dan from the Warrington Wolves podcast, a loose wire joins us to help preview Rovers round seven sold out home fixture against wire. And he gives his thoughts on where the game might be won and lost for the Robins. So lots and lots to get through. First of all, come to you, Dan. How are you doing, mate? Great to see you on the podcast and, and give us a, an update on how the, the Red Robin things again is doing. It's great to be back, Chris. So thanks for inviting me on. The book is going has gone well. I've sold over 250 copies. So if anyone's out there who's watching and, and they've bought the book, so thank you truly from the bottom of my heart for supporting it. So it's gone really well. And uh, I'm pleased to say that another book is currently in uh, production, just the same format as my last one, uh, a review of the season and everything like that. And yeah, it's going, and that in itself is going really well. So uh, it's all good. Thank you. Excellent news, Dan. If you are watching, guys, on, on Facebook or YouTube, please um, get involved. Leave, uh, Give us your thoughts and opinions. Put them in the comments section and we'll we'll be sure to read them out. It'd be great to, to get uh, the thoughts of people who are watching tonight. Uh, Joe, the last time you was on the podcast, I think you was deliberating whether to go to Salford or not. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you made the yeah. yeah, you made the right decision that night. How, how have yeah. you thought Rovers have been doing over the last few weeks? Um, I thought they was unlucky against Catalan. I thought I thought to be fair we was a better team for large parts. Um I thought that Kenny Dow trying the first half what was rolled out with for a forward pass was borderline. I thought we got the they got the rubble of green on the night to be fair. Um but again we're just we're just clunky with the ball in hand, aren't we? It's just just not clicking as it as it was last year, but hopefully time to change that on Friday. Yeah, well, let's rewind a little bit and let's go back to Saturday when Hulkington Rovers hosted the Lee Centurions at Craven Park in the sixth round of the Challenge Cup. Rovers ran out 24 points to 18, but they definitely didn't have it their own way. And that on the day they lined up like this with Will Dagger at fullback, Jimmy Kynars out on the wing with Sam Wood at centre, Sean Kenny Dowell was playing centre, Ryan Hall was rested, so Ben Crooks got his first run out of the season, John Abdul and Michael Lewis were in the halves. Starting props were Tom Garrett and George King, with Matty Parcells starting at hooker, Kane Lynette. Uh, partnered Frankie Holton in the second row with Elliot Minchella at loose forward. Corbin Sims, Matty Stott and Ryan Mills. And Will, Will Marr made the bench um, with Ryan Hall, of course, being rested and as was Jez Litton. And the Lee Centurions lined up like this. Callum Aitkins, Keenan Brand, Ed Chamberlain, Neil MacDonald, Christy Nino, Ben Reynolds, Joe Meller, Adam Sidlow, Aaron Smith, Tom Amione, Joe Wardle, Sam Stone, John Asiata with uh, Ipape, Nisbet, Ngano and Jacob Jones on the bench. And Rovers started the game very slowly and were punished for their sluggish start when Ben Reynolds knocked over a penalty after 11 minutes to make it 2-0 to the Centurions. 
Rovers were struggling to handle Lee's middles and had to dig in on their own line after Lee forced a series of dropouts. The Robins were clunky and one dimension with the ball, with both Jordan Abdul and Mikey Lewis juggling to find a creative spark. That all changed in the final 20 minutes of the first half, though, when Mikey Lewis waved his magic wand once again this season. First of all, Elliot Minchella threw out a lavish offload to Mikey Lewis, who danced his way through broken play before sliding a simple pass to Frankie Holton, who sprinted the best part of 20 metres to finish close to the sticks. Abdul's two points were quickly followed by another piece of Mikey Lewis magic, which started in Rovers' own half. Referee Chris Kendall signalled for the fifth and last, and with nothing set up, it looked like the player, player might fizzle out. Lewis, though, sidestepped two lead defenders before flicking a pass out the back door to Matty Stoughton, who, lift, who shifted it to Jordan Abdul, who was then able to put Kane Lynette into open field. Lewis followed up his original play and was on hand to receive the pass back from Lynette, who then evaded an ankle-tap tackle to cross for Rover's second try. Will Dagger took over the kicking duties to make it 12-2 and was on target again after Matty Parcel showcased his deceptive strength from close range. With nothing else on, Parcel charged for the try line and although he was initially held up, his power paid off as he managed to get the ball down close to the sticks. Half-time came and went and Rovers started the second half the much the same way as they did the first, although it was the Robins who registered the first points of this half with Matty Stoughton powering over the try line after receiving a pass close from Matty Parcel. Dagger hobbled off after adding the extras and Mikey Lewis reverted to full-back with Rowan Milnes coming on into the halves. And although the scoreline suggested it was game over, the Centurions kept plugging away and got their first try of the game when Mikey Lewis failed to gather Joe Miller's kick and Keenan Brand touched down in the corner. This preceded a partial period of play with both teams delivering a catalogue of errors, much to the Rovers fans' frustrations. Rovers suffered most, though, after sloppy defence from the Robins' middle, allowed Lee to race through the middle of the pitch before Jacob Jones touched down. Further chaotic defending saw Lee break from their own half, with a left edge minus Ryan Hall and Sean Kenny Dow failing to deliver with a pacey Lee attack. Joe Miller outpaced Mikey Lewis to finish in the corner, which set up a very nervy finish for the Robin faithful, but time was not on the Centurion side, and it was the Robins who thankfully held on for the victory. Lads, before we came on live, uh, I mentioned that performances are not always the most important thing in cup games. Um, and thankfully, that was proved right because, you know, on another day, better team, Dan, uh, Rovers could have quite easily lost that game, couldn't they? Yeah, they could have done. I was surprised that Ethan Ryan didn't play, first of all, because I thought that the game was a good opportunity to bring some in, not rock the boat too much, uh, but just bring a couple of guys in like Ethan Ryan and Rowan Milnes as well. Just I don't, As I said, I don't think it would have rocked the boat too much, but it would have gave them some game time. Yeah, Joe, yeah. I, um, I, uh, I listened to Tony Smith's pre-match, uh, well, uh, pre-game conference this week and he, and he mentioned that there's a few players who are in front of Ethan Ryan at the moment. Yeah. I think um, I, was, I thought he was nailed on to be uh, playing against Lee. Obviously, he didn't. Ben Crooks took Ryan Hall's place after Ryan Hall was rested and we've persevered with uh, Jimmy Kynos on the wing. Yeah. Was you surprised not to see Ethan Ryan make the starting lineup? Yeah, I thought he was, like you, absolutely nailed on to start, to be fair. But um, I think he said there he went off who performed better for the reserves last week, didn't he? Um, so if Ben Crooks is playing better, then he deserves a nod. Um I just don't think you can have a drop Jimmy Kynos at the minute. He's really took his chance, hasn't he? I thought he was brilliant against Lee. He was a standout player, so he deserved his man of the match. And I, I think he should play again this week as well. 
Yeah, that's right. I think he was man of the match, wasn't he, Dan? And and he's coming to the team, much to probably many Rovers fans' surprise. But he's come in and and I put a tweet out saying he just don't let us down, does he? When he when he plays and and he's he's very worth his position at the moment. And you know we're going to talk about Wire uh, on Friday in the second half of the podcast. But at the moment, he he looks to have made that position his own, doesn't he, Dan? Yeah, a lot of experience centre player from him on Saturday. Uh, it's a funny story with him because. I thought for all the world last year he would have been let go because when he was at Leeds, he had a a good reputation there, someone that wasn't getting in too much, but the fans adored him when he was playing. And and as a result of that, I believe, I'm led to believe when he came to Rovers, he actually got a a good deal as a result of his past reputation, but didn't quite work out for him, did it in those first few years? But he's really um, good for the team, it seems. I mean, not just playing in his appearances recently, but for the younger guys as well, I believe that was a, a reason why they kept him on. So, no, it's very good to see, actually. It's like an Indian summer for him. <laughs> yeah, and Joe, I think uh, Sam Wood's definitely benefiting from having someone like Jimmy Kainos out on the wing with him. He's, uh, that experience and, and that consistency in his play seems to be benefiting Sam Wood. And obviously, Brad Takarangi, I think we're going to hear this week what, what's happening with him. But, but Jimmy Kainos seems to have settled that right edge down a, a lot more than what what Brad Sakrangi did. Yeah, I think, uh, especially defensively, I think they look a lot more solid and together as a unit. Um, I think uh, Sam Wood's looking better in the centre as well. I just think it with him and Frankie Alton inside Kainos, I just, Kainos is a good defender himself, to be fair. I know he didn't usually um, get the, like, people used to thought he was a bit poor defensively, but I mm. think he actually is pretty decent, to be fair. And I think that right edge is really since Frankie Alton's been in there as well, I think it's just a lot more solid. Yeah, and uh, we saw, didn't we, some more magic from Mikey Lewis. It's not the first time he's turned up this season and, and he's turned on when he's needed to. Dan, you know, was Mikey Lewis the difference that game? Did, can you imagine if, if he wasn't playing that, we'd have, uh, we'd have got that same result that we did? I think we would have been beat, Chris, to be honest with you. He was the difference maker that 20 or so minutes uh, when we went back to last year, you know, and played really well. And he was the focal point of it. I said, didn't I, that I thought Ron Milnes would have played, but the, it's that conundrum again of Milnes, Abdul and Lewis, you know, and who would have the drops for Milnes? And if it was Lewis, then could Milnes have come back into the fold straight away and, and done as well as that? I, I don't doubt his ability, but it's, it's one of those things. And I suppose that's why Smith's paid to make the decisions. But that's, Part of it interested me actually. Yeah, and he's really impressing me with his his quick feet. And once he gets a sniff of open play, he's um he's away, isn't he? He's um, yeah. He, he, I think he's surprising teams with his pace as well because he's uh, he's definitely got a turn of pace. And what it showed with with Rovers tries is that if you if you support him and and you you play around him, then you you're more than likely uh, not to get a to get a, an offload from him. And, and we saw that on on Saturday and. The only thing is, I, th- I think his game sort of went downhill a bit when he got moved to fullback, didn't it? Because he definitely uh, came up with a couple of errors in defence, which is probably to be expected. He's probably he hasn't played there for a long time, probably not since he was at York on loan um, a-, a while back. So it's uh, a position that, although he might be familiar with, he hasn't played it for a long time. And obviously, it was a bit worrying, Joe, when Will Dagger goes off. We'd already seen Jordan Abdul being removed from kicking duties because he'd suffered, yeah. a, I think it was a thigh strain or something like that. So, yeah. so then see will Dagger go off. And it's a shame for Dagger, isn't it? Because he's got to run a game through Coop being injured. And, and once again, 
injury seems to take its toll and, and he's and he's out of the team again. Yeah, I think I think in all honesty, I think um Coulter would have played for this Friday regardless, but um I think it's just a straight swap now, isn't it? it removes the headache from Tony Smith a little bit. Um but yeah, it was it was a little bit worrying, I ain't gonna lie, especially we've seen it all before, haven't we, when a couple of minutes to go, they get a try and then they go straight away, get another one, and you're thinking, Oh no, can't be this all over again, surely not. But uh, yeah, look. Luckily, they dropped the ball, didn't they, and give us it with like thirty seconds left. So, <laughs> yeah. For and, I, and I think there was another change that that definitely helped Lee get back into the game. And uh, when Rovers seemed to be coasting, they took Sean Kenny Dowell off to rest him for I think with twenty minutes to go. And you definitely saw that left edge, you know, start to suffer. Um, and we, we lost all, seemed to lose all kind of composure. And especially with then Mikey Lewis at fullback, we seemed to to be reeling. And, and Lee really seemed to be making good yardage. Ben Crooks comes back in, Joe, uh, for for Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall, of course, as we've already mentioned, rested. What did you make of Ben Crooks? I thought he was steady. I just for his first game back at that sort of level, I thought he was all right. No spectacular, but you know what you're going to get from him, don't you? Steady away. Obviously, I don't think he made any errors, which surprised me. To be fair, he usually throws a couple out there, don't he? But no, it was it was decent, just solid. Yeah, and that's right. And Dan, um, I think before uh, before the game and definitely in last week's podcast, um, Lee thought it might turn into a bit of a battle down the middle. How do you think our pack uh, fronted up with Lee's? I think they stood up okay to him. Uh, I think they was probably taken back, especially in the first 20 minutes, because Lee, from what I recall, they had two goal-line dropouts and uh, they really were turning the scorners. But Rovers defended well, and I wanted to make the point that Generally speaking, Rovers have defended well this season. But when Sean Kenny Dowell came off, it just, um, as you allude to, it, it went wrong. Um, and it's funny because Sean Kenny Dowell himself was in the build-up to the game. He was talking about how they needed to put an 80 minutes performance in and um, it didn't quite turn out like that. But as a whole, I think our pack has actually really improved since last season, you know, last season and this season. And, you know, in previous years, I mean, I remember when Lee came up to Craven Park in 2016 and, and they beat us and, and we were the Super League team and there was the Championship team at that point in time. So it just shows you that we have improved in that area. And we was out um, Vete as well, wasn't we? So and I think he's our biggest forward by a mile. Not, not saying he's our best forward, but he's, he certainly makes a difference when you come up against sides like Lee. Yeah, and Vete, of course, is injured um, for our game against Warrington. But Will Mar came back into the side after uh, impressing the reserves in his first run out of the season. It's good to see him back. Um, and, of course, Corbin Sims was back in the side. Um, and then when you look at the bench with Corbin Sims, Matty Stoughton, Rowan Milnes and Will Mar, it definitely looks to be... Um, there seems to be a few options there now, doesn't there, which we haven't had for a, for a few weeks. But two players who will continue to shine and and uh, are going. Uh, I, I was going to say a bit under the radar, but they're definitely not now. Well, the Rovers is Tom Garrett and, and Frankie Holton, two players who were plucked from the Championship who were who were really starting to excel. And are you surprised, Joe, to see um, uh, Tom Garrett starting? Because I think many Rovers fans thought it might have been. Uh, you know, a, a bit part play this season, but he's coming, hasn't he? And he's made that yeah. position his own now. Yeah, I think. Um, I think did he? He played the first game, did he? Against um, 
But I think against Wigan, or yeah. was it the week after he played? But uh, I thought it was a bit slow then. I thought oh, it's going to take a while to get into the Super League level. It's going to be, like say, a bit part. But seeing him at Salford when when I went there, I thought, bloody hell, he's, he's really taking it to their pack. I thought, you know what, he's, he's giving it a right good go. And then I just think he's getting better and better every time I see him. So I don't see. I'm not surprised to see him starting. To be honest, I think from what I've seen so far of like the likes of Corbin Sims, I think he actually brings more more to the team than the likes of Corbin Sims. And I don't know what's going on with Sims at the minute. Smith doesn't seem to be fancying him. I think he only got 20 minutes the weekend, and he came on late in the second half. So, but yeah, I think Tom Garrett's been brilliant. I think everyone knows how good Frankie Alton's been. He's been probably the find of the season throughout all Super League clubs, to be honest. Yeah, and Dan, you know, we've already mentioned it won't it won't maybe the prettiest performance, although Rovers did did race into a um a, a decent winning position and, and obviously Lee then came back into it. But what were the positives that you took out from the game in a whole, on the whole, Dan? Grinding the game out, I think springs to mind first because in, in previous years they would have lost it. I mean even last year when they played Castleford in the Cup and they just fell apart in that fashion, it was really disappointing, wasn't it? So for them to hold out, and they could have easily have lost that. Um, so I think that's the most pleasing bit. And, and to see Lewis's upward trajectory, and, and just a word on Will Mayo as well, the way that he came in and played so many minutes that he didn't anticipate, you know, considering he's had that uh, injury on his face. So to come back and play those minutes and put a solid shift in as well. Uh, well done to him. and Because yeah. he's got a job on his hands, you know, with Garrett, who we both just mentioned playing so well. It's going to be tough for him to get in. We've got a lot of competition in the front row this year. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? That's why Tony Smith made these signings. He wanted to add competition. You know, you, you'd say that no no position's really safe, is it? You know, with the with competition for places as it is. Um, Joe, for you, what, what was the biggest positive... Um, I agreed with Dan that um, we ground out the win. You know, if season's gone by, we could have maybe folded. And yeah. I think if you couple couple that with our performance against Catalan, you know, I think many many uh, times previously would have gone there and probably took a bit of a pasting, but we didn't. We dug in and, and we definitely fronted up against Catalan. So although these last two games haven't been pretty, it's pretty. It's shown me that Rovers are, are in the fight, and, and yeah, I think that's the minimum you can ask, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm liking the desire to defend our own line, which we haven't seen previous years, maybe a little bit back end of last year. But I think there's a real desire to stop teams rolling over us on our own line. And I think it's great to see. I think our defence has got better. I think it was only on uh, Saturday. It was the last 10 minutes, wasn't it, when we switched off and they got a couple of scores. But other than that... Thought we was fairly comfortable defensively. I think it, our our main issues at the minute are with the ball in hand. Yeah, is that a bit of a worry for you, uh, Dan? Because um, you know we still don't seem to be firing on all cylinders, do we? we? We've seen bits and pieces this season where Rovers have have shown you know what they did what they did last season. They've, they've shown it this season, but we're still still yet to see it over a consistent period, aren't we? This season. It is a little bit of a worry. I think if you're aiming to become one of the very best sides, and I believe that Rovers are, you, you need to start well. You you can't be a a summer team. Do you know what I mean? You've got to do the this winter period of the season, and you've got to still kick on as the 
season goes on in, in the uh, the warm days. So, yeah, I mean, it is a bit of a concern, especially because the team hasn't changed too much either from last season. I think we've got to acknowledge that Lachlan Cook has not played as many games as he could have done. And with him being the quintessential modern fullback, you'd expect him to play a lot more. Um, sorry, not play a lot more, but you'd expect him to be involved in our players. That, and we excel in attacking, let's face it. Even though Joe rightly pointed out the desire to defend our line has improved, we're still very much an attacking team. That's our identity. And without our pretty much a marquee guy at fullback, it, it has hurt us as well. So I'm anticipating that Rovers will improve as time goes on, especially when it gets warmer. Yeah, well, you what you would say on Saturday, you won't get better conditions to play rugby league, will you? Because it was absolutely <laughs> that's true, yeah, absolutely glorious on Saturday. And um, you know, I think maybe the changes to the side and the two changes during the game with Dagger going off and then Kade Al being rested, I think they maybe uh, made a, played a big part in that. But Rovers' reward for beating uh, Lee Centurions is a home quarter final tie against the Castleford Tigers. That game is scheduled to take place. On Friday the 8th of April's um, quartzweight kickoff, and it's been shown live on Premier Sports. The other uh, quarterfinal ties are Catalan Dragons versus St Helens, Huddersfield Giants against uh, Dull FC, and Wakefield Trinity versus the Wigan Warriors. Was you pleased with that uh, draw, draw, Joe? Um, yeah, it could have been a lot of, um, worse, couldn't it? I suppose. Uh, well, I'm saying that before we even play them, they might absolutely <laughs> hammer it yet, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but no, I think I think it was it could have been harder, really. I think we've already we've beat them, haven't we? Already on our patch, I think them coming to us and us be, obviously being at home again, I think it'll go in our favour. But yeah, I think hopefully get a couple more men back, like the likes of Betty. Um, yeah, don't see why we can't uh, book a semi final, Beth. Yeah, Dan, it's all Super League teams in the quarterfinals, I suppose. Any team you get is a pretty pretty stiff opposition, isn't it? But we've done well to avoid a St Helens and Catalan, and um, I'm glad we're not playing our dearest rivals because I think that'd be um, I think that'd be a very difficult game for us. But um, I think when you look at it, Cass is probably the best we could have hoped for at home. Although we saw what they did to Leeds, didn't we? Where they, they put uh, 40 odd points past them. So I think um, Lee Radford seems to be slowly changing the tide around a little bit there and, and it's going to be a, a daunting prospect, isn't it? And, and like I said, against whoever would have played it, it would have been a daunting one, but I think Cast, they're, they're, they're coming looking maybe for a little bit of revenge. Yeah, maybe we're saving OFC for the final, you never know, do you? <laughs> but, um, no, with Castleford, it, it's a funny one, because it reminds me actually of Leeds a little bit, where the flatter to deceive, like, that first half against Leeds was brilliant from their point of view. Can you put it down to them or were Leeds just that bad? Maybe a little bit of both. Whereas Leeds themselves, I remember the first half they played at Wakefield a couple of weeks back, that was brilliant. So it's really hard to um, to gauge them in a way. Um, and it's the same for Rovers as well. It's still, we're still so early um, in the season, even though we're about to get to a really important point, which I'm sure we'll speak about. So it is hard to gauge, Cass, but I'm expecting a different game to the one that we played in the Super League because realistically the, the uh, Challenge Cup is both sides' best chance of silverware now um, with the way it's going. So they're going to be up for it. I believe that they're taking a big allocation, aren't they, as well because some blocks in the North Stand are now unavailable to Rovers fans. So, yeah, it's going to be a big game, that. But just hard to call, it really is. 
Yeah, and Club will definitely be hoping for a better attendance than was at the league game. It was just over 3,000. They've priced the tickets at £15 for adults. Uh, concessions are £10 and 16 and under. Um, a free if you're a Rovers Forever member or it's £5. So sensible ticket, ticket pricing. Um, like you said, Castle will probably bring a few because... You're, like you said, Dan, it is both clubs' best opportunity to get some silverware. And Joe, if we beat Castleford, we're in the semi semi final of the Challenge Cup. Uh, uh, you know, one step away it, from uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit crazy, isn't it? You only have to win three games and you're in a cup final. But uh, yeah, who knows? You never know. Could get there. Still got still have nightmares about Wembley appearance. So, so. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah. if they make the trip if yeah, we got there. Is it? There's a few uh, wrongs to write there, isn't there, after what happened against yeah. Leeds? And we've sp- spoke about it to, to a few former players on the Heritage cast. And, and uh, it's one that it's a story that I'm uh, looking forward to, to um, banishing for a while. Uh, and hopefully we can do that this season. But April's a pretty tough month, isn't it? Dan, we've got uh, quite a few games coming up. Obviously, we start uh, on Friday with the Warrington Wolves. We then take on Castleford in the Challenge Cup. Uh, we've got um, the Bindippers at home on Good Friday before a tough away trip to Toulouse on on the Monday. And then we play Wakefield Trinity at home on April the 23rd before finishing April away at Leeds Rhinos. Quite a tough month there, isn't it, Dan, like I've already mentioned. And, and when you look at that, you know, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six games coming up in April. What What return do you think we should be expecting as supporters? Oh, um, I believe we want to be winning at least three, at least. Uh, yeah, that, that run of games, it's... Uh, the thing that struck me about it the most is that it's against teams that are in and around us, rather just below us, or like where Warrington are now. I think if we win, we'll be level on points with them. So it's so important. It's like one of those things where... If we do well and we win at least three or four games out of that six, we'll be looking at around about sixth place. We'll still be in the hat for the cup. Um, and on the other side, the flip side, we'll be out the cup and we'll be looking over our shoulders a little bit. So it's so, so important. And there's no time for excuses now from the players. No, and, and Joe, for me, I think April is where we can really set our style out for the season. I think if we have a good April, you know, and we win, you know, I think if, realistically, if we can get four wins from six, you know, and, and if one of them's a Challenge Cup, I think that really sets us up going into into May and for the rest of the season. A bad April, and we're chasing our tails, aren't we? We've got a lot to, a lot of work to do if we have a bad April. And and Joe, which games would you pinpoint for us uh, to, to see us get victories? Well, I think the obvious ones, the uh, Good Friday derby, isn't it? That's, that's the <laughs> obvious one. Um, I'd like to see us beat Castleford in the Challenge Cup as well. Um, I'd like to see us win all six, if I'm honest with you. That'd be ideal. But um, well, you, know, you, you must be hard to please then, Joe, if you want six from six. <laughs> yeah, never satisfied, <laughs> never satisfied. <laughs> um, the thing is, they're against like teams that we would usually be around when we was like, Seen as this bottom of the table club, wasn't it? Like the likes of Wakefield. I mean, you can throw Leeds into that category now, the way they're playing at the minute. So, if I'm honest, I think they had all FC is probably the hardest game, but then to back that up, having to go to France on Easter Monday, I think that that's um, 
Throwing is a bit of an hard one to be fair, but yeah, I don't I don't see why we couldn't win all six, if I'm honest with you, if if we turn up. Yeah, and I think for me that's where Rovers need to be better. We need to start stringing results. You know, we we can't afford to be win one, lose one, you know, win one, lose two. I think this is the month where we need to maybe put you know two, three wins in a row. Easier said than done. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, players' injuries, you know. There's a lot of things that can happen, but I think for me, April's a really big month just because just because of what's in front of us, you know, and, and the games are coming thick and fast. And like you said, we've got uh LFC on the good Friday, and then we, we have to back up and go to Toulouse. I think um there's only two games taking place on Good Friday. Everybody else is playing on the Thursday, um, which is you know, obviously for, for TV purposes. Um, but I think we're on the on the uh, on a bit of the crappy end of the stick, really getting getting there. But hopefully the the boys will come good. But April starts off with a game against the Warrington Wolves. Daryl Powell's side have been um, a bit indifferent. Uh, started off the season pretty well, and now they're on the back of a, a four game losing streak. We've got Dan from a loose forward podcast, which is a Warrington fans podcast, who's joining us. Dan, how are you doing, mate? Hi there, hello. Good, yeah, you. thanks for coming on, pal. Thanks for waiting. No um, Warrington Wolves, it looked so good at the start of the season. So how's it gone so sour? Um, yeah, it, it looked good in terms of results, but the performances, even when we were winning, weren't that great. I thought we got very, very lucky against Leeds. Did play quite well against Castleford and then scraped past Toulouse. So even though we won the first three games, I think we probably flattered to deceive a bit and then the last four matches, obviously four defeats, including two defeats in a row to to Wakefield. So, yeah, not not great really. In seven games this season, I think we've probably played well in in, in one of them. So that's where we're at at the moment. Yeah, and was Daryl Powell your your choice as head coach, or, or would you prefer to see somebody else come in? No, he was. Um, yeah, I really liked Powell's Castleford side, and uh, yeah, I was I was a big advocate of Powell's appointment. And despite the recent results, I'm I'm still. You know, I'm still convinced that he's he's a good coach for us, but um, certainly he's had his detractors, and and you can kind of see why because the performances haven't been good. But I do believe that long term, whether that's this year, next year, or maybe in the year after, Powell will be someone who who gets us into a good place. But uh, yeah, yeah, and we've already seen he's coming under a bit of pressure and he getting a bit of yeah. stick, which is probably to be expected. There's not many teams who lose four from four in Super League, is there? Unless you're sort of at the foot of the table, but. Obviously, the expectations around Warrington and the probably the expectations on the back of his appointment were, were greater than um, probably he could have imagined. Yeah. Do, do you think he'll be able to turn it around? Or, or, because there seems to be a bit of negativity at the moment around Warrington. I think I think the biggest problem he's got is that he's not got a very good squad. Um, on paper, it looks a great squad with some of the um, you know some of the, excite, the exciting players like yeah Widdop and Williams etc. But there's there's not enough in the forwards department. So. You could put Craig Bellamy from Melbourne in charge and if he's not got any forwards, he's not going to get down the pitch. So I think Powell should be given at least this year and and, and um, let's get some forwards in and, and see what he can do. And, and if, if we're still turning in shocking performances and results, then you might want to start questioning him. But for me, for me, he's, he's, um, he's taken over a, a club that's, uh, that, that's not in a great place after four very poor years under Steve Price, in my opinion. So... Power will inevitably be the scapegoat, as coaches tend to be in sport. But uh, I've got a lot of time for him, and I do think he'll turn things around eventually. 
Yeah, so the squad for Friday's game is Matty Ashton, Joe Bullock, Josh Charnley, Darrell Clark, Jason Clark, Mike Cooper, Ben Curry, Matt Davis, Oliver Holmes, Jack Hughes, Toby King, Ellis Longstaff, uh, Billy Magulier, Peter Mat uh, Mat <coughs> Matautier, Robin Mulhern, Joe Philbin, Josh uh, Fuelis, Danny Walker, Gareth Widdup, George Williams and Connor Wrench. Uh, Robin Mulhern. Talk to us about him, Dan. Obviously, a former Robin. Uh, yeah. Cracking haircut at the moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how's he been performing for Warrington? I don't mind Mulhern. Um, the one thing you can never accuse him of is his is lack of effort. He certainly puts himself about. Um, I think, unfortunately, I, I don't think he's really big enough to be starting for a club with um, title-winning aspirations. But, no, he certainly puts himself about. He got his first try, I think. I think it might have been against Castleford earlier this season. So, yeah, he's he's one that's he's a real trier. He's out of contract at the end of the season, actually. So I'm interested to see whether he gets kept on or, or moves on elsewhere. But um, he's not a bad player. But I, I don't really think he should be starting. Maybe if it was an interchange prop, I'd, I'd be more okay with that. But uh, yeah, he's he, he's he's not the biggest of our problems. I put it that way. Yeah, and another player who almost joined the Robins uh, last season, if you if you believe the rumours and you believe all the all the stories that were coming out, was Toby King. Yeah, um, how's he? Uh, fared since all that uh, all that news since signing his big new contracts last year he's uh, mysteriously um, <laughs> dropped off in performances considerably but um, he's a player that, that has, has certainly has some quality about him but I, I do feel he can get a bit overrated um, I'm not I'm not the biggest Toby King fan I can see why people like him but yeah I am a bit concerned about it's been a while now since we've seen him perform well and, and, and that and it really was um click of a switch as soon as he signed the contract. So I don't know if you guys potentially missed a bit of a, a bullet there because the centre you've got, Kenny Dowell, I really like him and I I'm not sure that Toby King would, would have been a better signing than him really. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean it's all you've seen it before, haven't you, where players, you know, in search of a new contract, in search of a new deal, they get themselves they get themselves a new deal and then they become pretty comfortable again, don't they? Yeah. And seem to lose that desire or, or what have you. Um, who were the players um, who we should be looking out for on Friday night? Well, I mean, our danger men should really be Widdup and, and Williams and um, depends what kind of mood they're, they're in. I really like Widdup. I'm not massively sold on, on Williams yet. Um, so those, those are the main two. We have strike from people like Ben Curry. Um, so those are the, the ones to watch out for, really. Daryl Clark um, hasn't really been at his best this season, but, you know, on his day can be a, a, a really good player. But the game, for me, will be decided by the forwards, um, as, it, as it often is when it comes to Warrington, because with the exception of Mike Cooper, we don't really have the forwards to compete with a lot of sides. And that's that's where we've kind of won and lost our games against against Wakefield and St. Helens the week before and Catalans the week before that. So if you guys have got some, some big props who will make you some metres and get you downfield, uh, that'll be a big advantage for you over ourselves. Yeah, well, Dan, of course, Rovers name there, 21-man squad early today as well. And we've got the returning Lachlan Coop coming into the side, uh, Ben Crooks, Sean Kenny Dowell, Ryan Hall, Jordan Abdul, Matty Parcell, George King, Kane Lynette, Matty Stoughton, Jez Litton, Corbin Sims, Elliot Minchella, Jimmy Kinehorse, Mikey Lewis, Rowan Milnes, Will Maher, Ethan Ryan, Sam Woods, Greg Richards, Tom Garrett and Frankie Holton have all been named in the squad. Uh, you've mentioned it, it could possibly be a, a battle of the forwards and whoever comes out on top from from there uh, could end up being the victors. 
one of the things that uh, has been sort of Rovers have been accused of this season is maybe not being big enough down the middle and, and being mm. out and fused. Dan, I just want to bring you in. Do you think you've seen a change over the last few games where Rovers seems to have beefed up a bit more in the middle? I believe so, yes. And, you know, Warrington, Dan, touched upon it, the forward battle. What a miss Albert Vettie will be because if if we had him playing in this game, I mean, the man is uh, monstrous, really, in size. It would have been such a plus uh, to have him. Uh, and, Dan, I don't know what you think, but it seems like Warrington had a little bit of a, a soft underbelly. You know, yeah. noticing that they went 12-0 up against Wakefield at home, and then lost, and as you allude to, the the forwards as well. I, I thought that myself, that they lack a lot of goal forward this year. So, um, But yes, Albert Vetti uh, will be a big miss for us, but I, I still feel that with the forwards that we've got available, it'll, it'll be enough to win on home soil. But I agree, that, that is going to be the key to victory. I was just wondering as well, um, you mentioned Widdup and Williams, do you feel that the, the lack of goal forward impacts their game as well because surely they need a good platform to play. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it definitely does affect them. And I think in the last few games, what we've seen is uh, Widdup and Williams have been getting a bit of stick. They've been trying plays that don't really look on. And, and in my opinion, that's because they don't really believe they're going to get uh, the, the forwards are going to take them down the field. So rather than attacking from, say, 30 metres out, they're attacking from 60 metres out. So they're trying ridiculous passes and, and, and kicks that are never going to come off. So I think they're, they're getting criticism and, and to some extent you could argue rightly so, but it's very difficult for halfbacks to play behind a pack that just isn't getting them downfield. And, and apart from Mike Cooper, I mean, our props just aren't taking us anywhere. Yeah, and Dan, Daryl Powell seems to be at a, a bit of a loose end really to, to, to put his finger on where it's going wrong. Mm. As a supporter, you know, does that worry you that when, when the coach isn't quite sure why it isn't working. You know, doesn't seem to have an answer. Maybe. Although I'd, I'd, I'd wonder if if perhaps he's, he's uh, protecting his players in the media there because I'm sure he's got he's seen plenty in training that's given him answers. But I mean, he, he's he was quite um, uh, forthright in his comments after the Challenge Cup loss uh, this weekend. You know, he, he mentioned how he's he's unhappy with players for not taking on board his instructions, and um, you know, he mentioned things like like effort areas and. When I always think you can lose a game, any side can lose games, but if if your effort and your commitment is starting to get questioned, that's when you're in real trouble. And and Warrington, Warrington have got some very good players and have always had some very good players. But I look at teams like yourselves and and Castleford and Wakefield, and these are sides that maybe maybe don't have as good players and don't have as much money and don't have as good a squad, but always put in 100% effort. And that's something that Warrington have certainly lacked in the last few weeks and and probably have lacked over the last. I don't know, maybe five, ten years, and 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 that's probably one of the big reasons why um why we've not why we've not won that big prize yet. Yeah, and you're on you're on the back of a, a four game losing streak. Yeah. Is 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 playing a team like Hulkington Rovers? Is that the is that the perfect team for you to to maybe change that run of fortune and and get a win? I don't know because I I, th- I think yourselves I think I think Hulk KL will be confident going into the match because as you say that you know you're playing a side that has lost four games in a row. You're playing a side that you've got a few wins against recently. Obviously, in the playoffs last season, played very well against Warrington. So, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a particularly good fixture for us. But I, I'm not sure it would be a good fixture for us at the minute. We're not. We're not really playing well enough that I'd be so confident of, of, of beating anyone really. So, um, yeah, it, it's a hard game to call on on, on Friday night, isn't it? But um, yeah, I, 
there, there isn't really a fixture that I'd, I'd feel overly confident with. And, and Hull KR is always a tough place to go. I mean, I don't think we've played there for a few years because of cancellations in the last kind of few seasons. But yeah, we've not got a brilliant record at Hull KR, I don't think. So uh, I'm, I'm not overly confident, put it that way. Yeah, although I think if you look at the record, I think Rose have only, um, I think we've only defeated Warrington three times in the last 12, 12 oh, games. Okay. Yeah, with one, one, one of them was obviously the the nineteen nil playoff game. Yeah, um, you know, what was your recollection of that game, Dan? Because I was there, and it was it was almost like utopia for for for. A, it was almost unbelievable to to see what Rovers were doing that night, and and be interesting to get your perspectives as a Warrington fan who was obviously on the receiving end of it. Um, well, it was it was the battle of two former wire coaches. Um, one was the best coach I've ever seen. Coach Warrington, one was the worst coach I've ever seen. Coach Warrington, um, so that that's where it what it came down to, really. You know, I was a big fan of Tony Smith when he was in charge at our club, and uh, I think he's done a good job with with Hull KR as well. Um, and yeah, you played really, really well that night. Um, but I mean, Warrington, we, we were absolutely abysmal. I think can't remember the exact numbers, but you know, the number of knock ons and uh, loose carries, the number of errors we made was 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 absolutely staggering in that game, and that was. Really, for me, that was the perfect way for Steve Price to go out because that, that game encapsulated what his four years in charge was. Um, just just bitter disappointment, really. And, you know, full credit to Hull KR that night. Um, but I think that, that, again, goes back to what I was saying, that, yes, Warrington may have more talented players and certainly have more money than a side like Hull KR. Hull KR fought so hard that night. Um, you know, they didn't give up any, any loose balls or anything. And um, that, that mentality is what, is what Smith will have instilled in your side because that's what, what he did in, with us. And... Um, it's something that Price Price never did, and I think I think that's the job that Powell's got to do is overhaul the culture that's been uh, that's been missing for so long. Yeah, Joe, I'm going to bring you in. We're looking at a, a ten thousand plus crowd out. We obviously Rovers had a ticket ticket offer, so hopefully we're going to pack the park and it's going to be a, a vocal crowd, and we're really going to make it intimidating for Warrington. The big name in that squad is Lachlan Coote coming back, and hopefully we're seeing a, a fit Lachlan Coote. He's been rested. Last week, when he could have played against Lee in the Challenge Cup, Tony Smith decided not to put him into the team. He's going to put him in, in, in against Warrington because Will Dagger is, of course, injured. It's going to be great to see Ku Abdul Dagger, uh, sorry, Lewis out there, isn't it, as a as a as a triangle and, and seeing them free play because Rovers fans have been, um, you know, we've not really seen half of what Lachlan Ku can do. So it'd be great to see how fit he is. But do, do you think he could be the game winner for us on Friday? Uh, yeah, don't see why not. I think our, like I've been saying, our, our big issue has been ball in hand, being really clunky. Um, and hopefully, with him, his experience coming in, charming into that line, hopefully that could be the difference just to make our attack click. And if we can make it tough for Warrington, like Dan was saying, they seem to have a bit of a soft underbelly. If we can make it tough and make them go to places where they don't really fancy it, and then we can get our attack clicking on the back of that. I don't see why we can't can't come away with the win. Yeah, and Charles Bookmakers, thanks for supplying us with some odds for for Friday's game. They're up there in Bridlington, so if you if you want to put a bet on, go go ahead over there to there. Um, we've got Rovers at six to four, uh, Wire at eight to fifteen with a draw twenty to one on the handicap. Rovers are plus four at ten to eleven, uh, which obviously leaves Wire at minus four at ten to eleven. So very generous odds there for Rovers. I think at, at, at plus four. Uh, Dan, do you expect it to be a close game or, or can you see if, if Warrington's heads go down that, that there might be an opportunity for Rovers to put some points on the board? Uh, which Dan is that? Me or 
<laughs> oh, do you know what? I'll go. I'll go to Dan from a Love Swire podcast first, and I'll come to you, Dan, because I'm guessing you've got something to say on it. <laughs> our our heads can go at any point. I mean, and if it is an intimidating atmosphere in front of a large crowd, as as you mentioned there, then yes. I mean, you know, we played in front of uh, two and a half thousand at the weekend, which um, I don't. Know if yeah, you I was shocked saw, by but... that when I saw that crowd. I, I was yeah. really shocked. Yeah, for a, for a Sunday afternoon game in nice weather. Um, with half price for season tickets, that was pretty appalling. That it's our it was our lowest attendance for twenty five years, so um, so that's something to to think about. But but yes, um, our heads could definitely go, and and I would not at all be surprised to see Hull KR come away with a victory, particularly if if it is as you say an intimidating atmosphere. And, and Lachlan Coote is a player that had some really good games against us as well. So so yeah, I, I didn't realize he was back, but he's he's a player who who certainly we'd need to be wary of and. A player of his his threat is someone who our um, uh, weak defence will will struggle to deal with, in my opinion. Yeah, Dan Crowther, do you want to come in, mate? So I think that it's going to be pretty close, especially in the first twenty or so. Um, I'm not Nostradamus. I'm, I'm trying my best to <laughs> to, uh, to see it, but the soft underbellies are concerned for any team, and and when your heads do go down in front of a, a packed crowd because, of course, it's the one-pound offer, isn't it? This is what it's uh, building up to, isn't it? So, yeah, it's uh, it's got the potential, but I, I wouldn't um, bet your house on it because although Warrington have got form for this is your year and all that, we've equally got form for that kind of thing and on uh, messing up on on home sales. So, yeah, it's, it's, tough. it's tough to say that we'll run away with it, but I'm expecting a win, I'll be honest. And that shows how far we've come in the last year or so. Yeah, I don't know, Dan. There's just some things that there's a lot of things pointing in our favour, but there's not many teams that go five from five. Is they, you know, five defeats on the bounce is a pretty bad run. And and normally, you know, by hook or by crook, a team manages to grind out a result, don't they? And it's going to be interesting to see the style of the game, whether Rovers are able to to get play in broken field. And I think that that's our chance to win, Dan. I think I think if we can create opportunities and gaps for Mikey Lewis to exploit, get Lachlan Coote on a running game, I, I think that's where our, our best opportunity is. And obviously that's on the back of, you know, our forwards laying down a platform for us to play, which they've... Um, you know, they're slowly started to, to do. We're, obviously, we're missing Albert Vette. Dean Hadley is out the squad as well. He's another player injured. Um, a player that I just wanted to mention, actually, Dan, um, Louis Johnson, he's been out for, for you know, the best part of the season. He's been, he's been injured, but he was uh, almost ever-present last season and he was very um, impressive. I know when we signed him from Warrington, I, um, I spoke to... Um, what Brian Bevan said podcast and, and they were pretty happy with a swap deal getting Mulhern and, and Louis Johnson but I think Louis Johnson's maybe surprised a few people with getting a run of games and, and the form that he, he was able to to um, capture but what, was you surprised Dan to see him get a, almost a, a full season run out at Old Kingston Rovers? No, not Is really this... surprised because oh. I... sorry No, no, no it's fine I was wondering which Dan <laughs> Not, not especially surprised because um, I'd seen him play well a few times for our first team and Steve Price just never really gave him much of a chance. Um, but I think, did he go on loan to you guys, first of all? Um, yeah, he did. Quite well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, n- not surprised to see him do well and uh, pleased to see him do well because he was a player that when he played in our kind of academy sides and then and then in, in a few times in the first team, always looked to be quite, quite a bright spark in my opinion. I was always disappointed that Price didn't give him more of a chance and Nothing against Robbie Mulhern, but um, 
that swap deal, I'd argue KR have come out uh, better, better from really. I think I think you've got a better, younger player, and I, I know he's been injured lately, but um, yeah, for me, I I, I like Johnson, and um, I was a bit disappointed that, that we let him go, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting night on on Friday. There's a there's a lot to play for, isn't there? We've already talked about how important April potentially is for Hull Kingston Rovers in terms of the games and and laying a platform for the rest of the season. Dan from Loose Wire Podcast, I'm going to put you on the spot, mate. What what's your prediction for Friday night? Unfortunately, I'm going to have to go for a Hull KR win, and I'm going to go for a Hull KR win by by eight points. Yeah, Dan Crowver, what's your prediction? I'm going to go for a Hulk KR win by 12 points. And Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot as well, mate. I'm going to go for a Hulk KR win by 14. 14? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I hope you're right, mate. That'd be brilliant. Um, <laughs> I can't see it. I think it'll be I think it'll be a game that ebbs and flows. And, and I don't mean that potentially because of quality. I just think it's going to be... Uh, I don't think the weather forecast is that great for Friday night. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a bit of a bitty game, and, and I think potentially you might see two two nervous teams out there. Although the Rovers have obviously aren't coming in on the back of a, a victory against Lee, but we've seen Rovers before where sometimes they just don't turn up for, for games, and it takes them a while to get into it. So it's going to be be really interesting to see how it pans out. Dan, thanks for joining us this evening. No problem, thank you. And catch up later on in the season when uh, Rovers travel over to to Wire, and, and we'll be great to get your views on on that game. But for now, take care, mate. Yeah, definitely. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. See you later. Yeah, very interesting. And as well as Ulkington Rovers beating Lee uh, on Saturday, there was some more good news to come out of the club, wasn't there? With uh, the club announcing that they've purchased Craven Park and we are now the, the owners of the stadium. Um, Paul Lakin said, uh, we now have the opportunity to explore our vision of delivering a special project with both the stadium and surrounding land. The exclusive purchase option on the land can be drawn down in separate parts of the state over the next seven years. We will start uh, the, the thought process immediately of how we can create an exciting generational project. Dan, it's a, it's a fantastic news that the club now own the stadium. It, it presents us with a lot of opportunities. It's worth noting that the, the club don't yet own the land around it, but this deal gives them the option to purchase pieces of land at various times with exclusivity on that. And Paul Aiken has already said it's, there's going to be some exciting projects that, that hopefully the club will um, get on board with. And also it gives us opportunity to to generate more revenue. How pleased was you, Dan, to, to hear that news being brought this week? I was really pleased. I think it's tremendous news. It's been rumbling on for a while now, hasn't it? It feels at least two or three years, but for them to finally get it done, it, it means so much to the club because I was thinking about it. I don't know about you two, but I, I'm not really familiar with how many other clubs in Super League own their own stadium. I mean, Hull FC is a given. They certainly don't, but... The others, you know, there's not many that actually on the ground and it, it means something, doesn't it? You're in control of your own destiny uh, more than you would be as a tenant, for example. So it is huge. Um, I'm excited to see what they do. Personally, I would expect to see the West Stand be completely pulled down. I think that screams 1989, that stand. I think it's really outdated. And as much as we like it I, I suppose and it's it's part of the furniture I think as fans as Rovers fans in particular we've just gotten used to it but when 
other teams, and particularly Dan from the podcast who's just been on, a, a nice ground like they've got at Warrington, and then coming to Craven Park and seeing the West Stand, you know, it, it doesn't really work. Do you know what I mean? For, for a modern club that's going somewhere. So I think that needs to be the first part of call for me, or well, one of them at least. Yeah, I'd be surprised to see if any stadium work is the first first bit of work done. I think um, I think at the at the moment they'll be looking at, at what they can do around the stadium. But again, it like you said, I think the West Stand has stood the test of time, hasn't it? And now it's probably starting to show its age and and just it, the opportunity for the club to maximise its commercial opportunities. You know, I just don't think the West Stand probably probably allows the club to do that. So I think they've probably got. A lot of plans in the pipeline about what they want to do. Obviously, though, that costs money. And and Joe, you know, one person we have to be eternally thankful to is Neil Hudgel, isn't it? Because yeah. without him, without him dipping his hand in his pocket, none of this would have been possible. I know there's there's people in the past, such as Colin Hutton and, and Clint Kerr, who've, who've all played a, a huge part in, in making sure that Hulkington Rovers are here today. But I think Neil Hudgel deserves a lot of praise, doesn't he, for for not only uh, backing the boys out on the pitch, but also putting his hand in the pocket to, to leave a, le- a real legacy for the club. Yeah, definitely. I think he's, he's absolutely massive for us. It had been such a shame to see to see him walk away when he was going to and then us start to progress the way we are. I think it'd be a real shame and I think it'll be nice to see him it come to fruition for him with him still at the helm, to be honest. I think it'll be a nice way to pay him back with having... Obviously, owning our own stadium, we look to be progressing on the field as well. So it's all very exciting for the future. Yeah, and what owning your stadium does is allow you the opportunity to to borrow money, to finance, to because you've got an asset that you you you, you own. And, and at the moment, Rovers couldn't do that. And and I think this is a big part of of, of moving away from being so reliant on Neil Hudgel and, and his financial backing that. The club needs to stand on its own two feet and needs to wash its face and needs to be able to to get investment and and um, Paul Lakin's obviously been brought in to to make that happen and we start to see some of these ideas and some of the plans etc that he's had come to fruition so it's it's fantastic that the club are, are able to do it and you know I've been fortunate enough to see unbelievable you know tons of stuff I've seen football there boxing there speedway greyhound concerts you know actually when you you, you list what has gone on at Craven Park. You prob- some people probably not believe you when you, you, when you tell them what you've been able to see there. And it, it's definitely shown its versatility. And I scratch my head sometimes when uh, I see away fans, etc., criticising Craven Park, thinking, you know, saying that, um, I, you know, I've seen people say that Rovers uh, have never invested in the ground over the years and compare it to Wakefield and Castleford and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's pulls apart from, from them places. And I, I like Craven Park. I think it's perfect for, for who we are, what we are. I think um, you know when we talk about increasing capacity and stuff like that. I don't think there's there's necessarily much need to do that at the moment. I think you can see with the crowds where we're at, but I think there's definitely an opportunity to probably make more money from people who are already attending, and that comes from making the the supporter experience, the customer experience, a lot better. We've seen that with Craven Street, and uh, I'm sure the club will be looking. Uh, looking to that on Friday night to, as a way of, of generating more revenue for the club. So there's lots and lots of exciting things happening. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, uh, Dan, to see what these uh, developments around the stadium are. I know they're talking about um, making the training facilities better so that it becomes a an all-in campus where you've got the, the stadium and you've got training facilities that are uh, 
uh, on par and, and with with other clubs. Um, so there's going to be some exciting things happening in the Dan, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what does happen over the next couple of years. Yeah. So regarding the 15 acres, I believe that Paul Aiken alluded to the fact that that's going to be community based, and I think that's probably the right thing to do. I mean. Lakin himself said that he thinks he still is one of the, the poor areas in England. Um, so to give back, and, and that's what Hull KR were built on, you know, even back way back when, you know, giving back to people and giving them hope. So to do that will be tremendous as well. It's, it's not just um, commercialism, you know, it's, uh, there's a human aspect to, uh, to this moment as well. Yeah, great news. So, uh, congratulations to everybody who's made that happen, and um, and especially congratulations and a, and a huge thank you from from the Red Robin podcast to Neil Hudgel because he's um, I think he's going uh, the right way about getting a statue made of him because you know I'd definitely chip in if that was the case because he's um, he's definitely doing a great job for Hull Kingston Rovers. Um, someone who's been doing uh, a decent job as well for the Rovers is Tony Smith. He's continually been linked with joining the Leeds Rhinos, although Leeds um, released a, a statement, I think, yesterday. Gary Herrington um, going on holiday to Australia now to, to try and find a new coach. So you'd think that's pretty much put, puts Tony Smith out of the picture, although, you know, in sport, you never say never, do you? Joe, how worried are you that, that Tony Smith may depart? Um, well, I ain't going to lie. Until Everton said he was going towards, I was thinking, right, they're going to bring an interim coach to the end of the year and then Tony Smith's gone. I, that's what I thought. I was a bit worried. But um, then I then I thought about it and I thought, this is actually... I remember when he joined, uh, not long after, him and his wife actually moved to the area and I think it's the first job he's had where they've actually moved to the area. And I think he really likes it here and I think... He likes the people he works for. I think he likes the fans. I think he likes what the club's based on, the community and what it means. And I think I get, a, I, I just think he'll stay, especially if the team keep progressing in the right way. Uh, I think he said in his interview this week that he'll only stay coach if he feels he can still give something and the team's still progressing the way he wants it to. So I think... I don't. I think he's quite relaxed. I think all that with the um, in missing the press conference and stuff. I can just. I think Stanley Jean alluded to him. He was finishing his lunch, so he just sent Stanley Jean to do it. And I can imagine him just sat there saying, "I'm still eating. You go do it, Stan." You know, he's quite calm and relaxed like that. And I think, yeah, I think when the time's right, I think the club will tie him down, maybe to a one-year rolling contract. But I think he'll, I'm hoping he'll stay. It seems to be going in the right direction with him at Leon, doesn't it? So. Yeah, and Dan, we're maybe not used to seeing someone so relaxed about something like this, are we? And, and like Joe said in his press conference this week, he said that he's, on a, he's, a, he's coaching while he enjoys it and, and while he enjoys it, he'll keep coaching. And, and at the moment, that's with Hulkington Rovers. I think it'd be a, a huge move for him to go somewhere else because any club that he goes to in the future is going to be a, a project, isn't it? It's going to be a big move. And what you'd say is someone like a Lee Dranos probably needs a, a full rebuild. And, and Tony Smith's already started that journey with Hulkingston Rovers. He's already put things in place at Rovers. You know, and, and the Rovers faithful have put our faith in him to do that. And I think he feels a lot of love at Rovers. So, you know, would you be surprised, Dan, to see him, see him um, go, especially like Joe said, after his move to the area and he, and he really seems to be enjoying his rugby league at Hulkingston Rovers. 
Well, I see Smith as quite an enigmatic figure for the way he comes across and the way he deals with certain situations. He's not like the um, rough and tumble Lee Radford, for example. He's, he's kind of like, not talks in riddles, but he's just got a different way of dealing with stuff. So it has been hard to work out what's actually going on. And as Joe says, um, Stanley Jean did say, don't read too much into it at the time. And, and so it's proved with uh, Gary Heverington going to Australia, unless it's some sixth wave and Heverington's actually going there for an holiday and he's tapping Tony Smith up as we speak. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, with Smith, he's done a great job here. He's done a great job. He's um, with, At Rovers, it, it's not one of them clubs where you can go out and, and sign uh the world's best, a little bit like what Warrington have done, that kind of approach. With Smith, he's really moulded us through a lot of his um, championship signings, actually. He's really turned the club um, around from where it used to be. When you look at this squad now, even though we've got some experienced pros in there, which should be the case anyway, there's so many players with upside, and that's what he'd be walking out on. All them players, they wouldn't, they'd maybe fulfil the potential under another coach, but he wouldn't be around. Um, it's like a, a granddad not living to see his grandchildren grow up or something like that. You know, I mean, it's that kind of effect. So, yes, I, I think it, I'm biased, of course. I'm a fan, so it would be a mistake for him to leave, in my view. Uh, but, yes, it's it's not. It's hard to say because he is non-committal as well. We've got to acknowledge that uh, part of it as well. He's, he's not outright come out and said, I'm staying, which Danny Maguire has done today. So, yes, it's a funny one, really. Yeah, my take on it is that if, if Leeds really wanted him, they'd have, they'd have moved heaven and earth to get him. Gary Heverington won't be going to Australia to to sound out other coaches, etc. And and I just think that um, that pretty much speaks volumes about Tony Smith and because you know if he sees that you know, but you know even if he's got an inkling that he might want to leave, if he sees that Leeds are, are scouting around for other coaches and not going straight to him, then he could be quite dismissive, couldn't you? And go well, if you know if I'm not your main man. That's it. See you later. So I'm quite relaxed about it. And I think Tam, Tam's been a great healer on this one because I think the longer it's gone on, the more it's shown that he probably isn't going to lead. So long may he reign at Hull Kingston Rovers. Another player uh, or somebody else who's been linked with a, a move away from the club is Matty Parcell. Uh, it was reported earlier in the week that uh, Brisbane Broncos are supposed to be interested after he's been touted around uh, NRL clubs. I think Matty Parcell is one of the players who is out of contract at the end of the season, as are a whole host of players. Um, so it's only probably right that their agents are starting to look at moves for them and, and stuff. But Joe losing someone like Matty Parcell, you know, he, he's had a, a pretty fantastic five years over in England and, and his time at Rovers, he's really shown his worth. It'd be a, a huge loss, wouldn't it, to, to lose someone like Matty Parcell? Yeah, definitely. I think you can seeing his performances is like a is a real standout most weeks and his work behind the rook especially if he's getting a quick play of the ball is he's electric out of there and he but I think um but I think in his thinking I think he's always thought about going back to the NRL like I think that's why he always signs one year deals. I think that that's a thing for him. I think he wants to go back. It's just about timing. It'd be a massive shame for Rovers to lose him because I, I don't really know the, who, who they could replace him with, who's as dynamic as him. I mean, I know we've got Jez Litton, but he's he's good and he's quick, but we, I think we need to spell him with someone. I think he's better coming off the bench when the forwards are tiring. So, yeah, 
Pass, I think him and Parcel work really well together when they're on the pitch as well. They have a really good partnership together. So I think he would be a massive loss. I think ideally we could do with tying him down, but obviously he only likes to sign the one year deals, doesn't he? So. Yeah. And what you say is obviously Jez Litton and, and Matty Parcel are both at different stages of the career. And you'd almost imagine for Matty Parcel, if he is hankering over a move to the NRL, you know, with the age he is, it's pretty much now or never, isn't it? Because he's. Yeah. He's, he's at the right age for the position he plays and um, I'm sure some of the NRL teams will have been looking at him for the last couple of years and, and seeing what he's done. And for me, Danny's a real Rolls-Royce of a player. He, just, he glides through, almost makes it look effort, effortless. And, and that try against Lee, you know, he showed his power and his brawn, didn't he? So he, he's got a bit of everything in his game. But it's going to be interesting next few months, isn't it, Dan? Because like I said, we've already we've got a whole host of players out of contract and it's... Um, we're going to start to see now who's getting tied down and who may be departing at the end of the season. We've also got a number of players who are sort of at the back end of the careers now and, and, and maybe looking to, to either finish playing, etc. So uh, it's going to be an interesting time, isn't it, Dan, as we as we look to see who, who will be at Rovers at next season? It's going to be really interesting. And I think it sort of ties into the Tony Smith situation as well because theoretically, how can you plan without knowing who your head coach is. That's probably the most worrying aspect for us, the fans and the club itself on what's going to happen there. Because as you say, Chris, there's so many players out of contracts and they need to be replaced, some important positions. And it's around about this time of year, isn't it, that the market really explodes and opportunities start to happen. Um, We worked hard to get in a position as a club where we were safe in Super League long before the closing rounds of the season and therefore we had that advantage to to get uh, more premium players from the market. So we, we can't really afford to, to squander that chance again. We need to know what's happening with the head coach. It's really important. Yeah, you're right. Well, as ever, it's been another packed episode of the Red Robin Podcast Weekly. A huge thank you to everyone who's tuned in live and to those of you who are listening on podcast. A special thank you to Dan from A Loose Wire Podcast for coming on and helping preview Friday's huge game against the Warrington Wolves. Thank you to you, Dan and Joe, for giving your honest opinions tonight. And remember, we are powered by 360 Chartered Accountants and Budget Ties Auto Centre. And please don't forget... Live, love, laugh and be happy.